Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. If you need clarification, I am Simon Miller, and this is a pro wrestling podcast. After taking last week off, had a bit of a break, had a bit of downtime. We are back to talk about everything that's happening in the world of pro wrestling, and yes, specifically WWE. Some people get in touch sometimes, they're like, you never talk about anything but WWE. That's just the main one I watch. I'm that guy. I watch, uh, I watch New Japan. I watched all the, uh, the Long Beach shows from a couple of weeks ago. I thought they were really good. You know, once again, prove that um, their, their style, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, probably the, the style of the, the modern era, really. Or at least it's the style that feels the most believable and hard-hitting, which I think a lot of people are into. But I watch that. I watch Impact slash TNA slash GFW, whatever it's called these days, every now and then. But that does feel like WWE light. So sometimes I'm like, do I need more WWE after hours of programming? Not really. And I keep up with the indies as well. I like Ring of Honor, I like Progress, I like Rev Pro, uh, but you know, getting all that into a week is difficult, and when you've only got a short amount of time to do a podcast, you kind of have to focus on what most people are watching, and even though in the, the social media bubble it can sometimes feel like this isn't the case, most people are watching WWE, even with dwindling ratings, which actually have been alright recently, well, they've been alright compared to what they have been, like the, uh, Raw went up to back to 3 million viewers this past week which is pretty good because it was down last week. It was always going to be down because of the uh, the July 4th holiday and whatnot. Uh, but I guess it depends how you look at the ratings because technically they're not good <laughs> compared to what they were or where they should be. But however, on the flip side, they are good because they're, they're doing better than they were. So it's kind of one of those chicken and egg situations or chicken and egg scenarios. But yeah, uh, we're coming off the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, so we should talk about that. I actually thought it was a good show. A lot of people said they didn't think it got good until the last uh, last two matches, which were Braun versus Roman and Lesnar versus Joe. And that's fair to a certain extent. But I do still think there was highlights to take away from earlier in the show. Also lowlights, a lot of things that I didn't like. But overall, I thought I, thought I was entertained. I was entertained from start to finish. And I don't think I can moan that much, you know, if I enjoyed myself, which I did. So, I mean, is it... <laughs> It's difficult. In the, in the world of the WWE Network, where we're getting pay-per-views all the time, it is hard for them to, sp- to feel special. Because it's like anything. If, if, you know, if you have an ice cream every day, it's not going to taste as good as you have an ice cream once a week. That's just how life works. And we're getting so much content that it's only two weeks till Battleground, and then a couple of weeks after that, it'll be SummerSlam, and then we'll be into whatever the next Raw pay-per-view is. So it's difficult to make these things feel special just because they're happening all the time. And I guess if you are a network subscriber, like I am, that does give you some value for money because you think, well, look how much, you know, look how much content I'm getting. But at the same time, I would still rather they double back down to 12 pay-per-views, mix them up so you get SmackDown and Raw matches on the same card. I don't see why that's a problem. It's not like that you don't have SmackDown promoting Raw and Raw promoting SmackDown anyway. Just keep keep the people apart, have both commentary teams there, jump between the two. I don't see why we can't do that. I don't think... It's not like this brand split is a real competition. That's all been put to bed anyway. You never really get, uh, you know, Shane and, and Daniel Bryan or Kurt Angle or whoever on the Raw side 
tying into that kind of story. So why we can't just have 12 pay-per-views, why they have to be SmackDown versus Raw, uh, SmackDown and Raw individual ones, I don't know. And that would help out stuff like uh, Money in the Bank. Then that would have an extra uh, twist to it because not only could you have a bigger selection of, of, of people to choose from, but that could be, I mean, you're only going to do that, what, a few times a year. You'll probably do it at WrestleMania. You'll probably do it at SummerSlam. Um, the Royal Rumble, you obviously do it simply because you'll have mixed people in the Royal Rumble. And you do it at Money in the Bank. That's four times a year. Don't have to do it at Survivor Series. No need to. You can keep that utterly separate unless you want to tie it into a story. So I don't know why they don't, they don't do that because sometimes it does feel like, it does feel like too much and... You know, I guess you're like me, you watch both brands, so while they are individual, they also kind of merge into one. It's not like they feel like two different TV shows, it's just you happen to watch half of your guys on a Monday and half of your guys on Tuesday. You could call SmackDown Raw 2 if you really wanted to, like you could just say it's, uh, you know, they've, they've held over the show for 24 hours, because it's not like it's massively different in any way, and I think that's why it would be much better just to... You know, I, I don't mind you having a brand split in the sense that you want to give more people a chance. And obviously, if you've got, I'm trying to think, I was going to say John Cena, but that doesn't work because he's <laughs> he he is now on both. But you know, he does give you more time to showcase uh, under talent. But that doesn't mean you can't then have them. I don't get why I don't get why we couldn't have had a mix of everything on on Great Balls of Fire. And it would probably mean WWS to think things out a bit better. So yeah. Anyway, I thought. I did think Great Balls of Fire was fine, but I just thought it suffered massively from from fatigue, which is always going to be the problem with WWE nowadays because there's just so much content. But he did kick off on the pre-show with Tozawa versus Neville. It was fine, whatever. Neville won. It's that classic thing of if WWE aren't going to care, and I'm sorry, but anything that goes on a pre-show, usually nobody cares. It's difficult for me to buy in either. And I love Neville. I think he's great, but I also think the whole 205 Live division just is pointless. Because if you're not going to let cruiserweights be cruiserweights, why do you even have the division to begin with? So that's my only real problem with that. And Tazawa's really talented. And I enjoy how they're all tying it in with Titus O'Neil and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's just, it's not going anywhere, is it? It's, it's, it's an afterthought. And 205 Live should be, the reason you should tune into 205 Live is because you know you're going to get something different, a different flavor from what you usually get with, uh, with WWE. And that's the problem. That is the real problem. Is it doesn't feel different. It feels exactly the same. If anything, they're probably told to do less so they don't affect what the, the main event guys are doing. And that's ridiculous. I really think that's it's just poor, poor decision-making by WWE. They should be told to go out there, have the best matches they can, or quote-unquote indie matches. And then that's a way... Because surely the reason the cruiserweights exist is to try and tap into that crowd. So give that crowd what they want. I don't care if, say, Randy Orton, bad choice, but let's say that anyway because he's a big name. I don't care if Randy Orton's like, well, they can't do that because they're going to steal my spotlight. Well, maybe that's impetus for you to get better, to get more creative and do what you do even better. So you're then appealing to that audience too, as opposed to shooting yourself in the foot. But fine, pre-show, never wins. Still a champion. Looks like the Tazawa feud's going to continue. Where they go after that, I don't even know. They haven't even built up any other challenges. And we may as well talk about this here as well. Austin Aries left the WWE in the last week or so. And whether he was fired or released or whatever, we don't know. But it certainly seems like WWE was happy that he's gone. And it certainly seems that Austin Aries is happy that he's left. And I imagine the reason is, is because he believes in his ability. He knows what he can do. 
And I'm sure he was happy being on 205 Live if 205 Live was being treated correctly, which it's not. It is an afterthought. He probably went to someone and said, look, I'd like to be featured on the main roster to have more opportunities and more creative endeavors. Got told no. I can understand that. Why, you know, why you'd be annoyed? If you've got super faith and confidence in your abilities and you know what you're capable of, and then you put on 205 Live, that could feel like a dead end, depending on what your ambitions and career hopes are. So it was a surprise. I know it lit the internet up over the weekend when it when it did come out. Uh, it is sad to see him go. He's you know he's very talented. The only real thing he's got working against him in WWE land is that he's not very tall. I think he's like five six or something. Um, I guess we'll see where he ends up. He's got ninety days to 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 sit out his contract while he is still getting paid. I could see him going back to TNA or GFW again, whatever it's called now. Maybe New Japan, given how hot that is. Pro, you know PWG. Who knows? But I'm sure if he does decide to stay in wrestling, he'll be a success on the indie scene. And maybe his stock's even higher now. Maybe he's had that WWE rub. He seems to have walked away on his own terms. That could help him. You just don't know. But then we got to into the show proper. It was Seth, Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt. If you've watched any of my What Culture stuff, and I know a lot of people get annoyed about this, it hasn't been a good feud. It's been, in my opinion, I know some people like it, but it's been incredibly lackluster. It seems to exist just because both those guys need something to do. While the promo work has been good in the sense that both can deliver good promos, they've been empty words, never really summed up why they're fighting to begin with. I had no, I didn't care if Rollins won. I, I mean, maybe I cared a little bit more if Wyatt won just because he never wins, but even then I'm like, I don't care. And if I don't care, something's gone horribly wrong, especially with two guys that are this talented. It just felt like a throwaway match. And the fact they opened the show as well. And there's nothing wrong with opening a pay-per-view. If anything, it's a great spot to be. It's better than being in the middle of the card because you've got a hot crowd and they're probably excited to see what you're going to do. But it was just a raw match. It was nothing special. Bray Wyatt won after he poked Seth Rollins in the eye, which I like. He's a heel. He should be winning by heel, heel tactics. And this all spilled over to Raw as well because it now seems like the Rollins-Wyatt feud is done. They had a rematch on Raw. Wyatt won again by taking advantage of the eye injury that he'd caused the previous night. He then bailed, and then we had all the stuff that tied into The Miz, The Miz Tourage, uh, Maurice, and then apparently Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are going to get back together to have a mini Shield reunion. And you know, that's a much more interesting story, because as we just established, I didn't really enjoy the Wyatt Rollins stuff. But it just makes me think that if you did buy into that, and you were enjoying it, and maybe there's some, some resolution you wanted to see there... I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, obviously, but it certainly feels like WWE's changed their mind. So you must feel a bit upset, I'd imagine, or a bit like the wall's been pulled over your eyes. You wanted to you know, get something out of that, and it certainly doesn't seem like you're going to. So I think that's strange. I mean, all, all credit to WWE for, you know, for making that decision. If, if, if they thought it wasn't working, that's not something they usually do. Usually they stick to the course, but I don't think this was the way to go about it. Is my only is my only point. Like I think you should have at least you know allowed the story to conclude in some sense. Like there's no reason here for Seth Rollins not to want to get some kind of revenge. And again, he he may still. I'm jumping the gun massively, but I thought this was strange. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, the Miz and the Mistourage versus those two. If, if something is going to happen with those two, is far more interesting. And what I would like to happen in a dream world, is I don't need a, sh a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion at the moment, especially because it's not going to include Roman Reigns. So if we're not going to go the whole hog, why, why even bother? And Dean Ambrose's character right now, and it's not really Dean Ambrose's fault, it's just the way he's been booked, is a bit boring. It's a bit dry. So I would be well up 
for Seth Rollins uh, to be the face in all this. Dean Ambrose to turn heel. And he's got perfect he's got perfect justification to turn heel. As he said on Raw, I can't trust you, Seth. When we were together, you stabbed us all in the back. I'll never trust you again. So while it's kind of a weird heel turn, because technically he'd be in the right, it all depends how you, uh, how you deliver it. But him turning on Seth and saying, look, you stabbed me in the back. Now I'm you know, taking my revenge. And I imagine the fans would hate that because they want to see those guys together because it is a mini Shield reunion. And then Dean Ambrose can go heel, which I don't think, I mean, apart from when he was in the Shield, I don't think we've done that properly with Dean Ambrose, the single star. And if you've ever seen him on the independent scene or you can just tell from the way he carries himself and the way he talks and his aura, that'd be great. I'd love to see a heel Dean Ambrose and it would spice everything up. So I'm all right with that. And then if we can somehow, I mean, we'd have to w- work quick. Maybe it's too quick. But if we can go back to Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose, I know we had that loads back in the day, but it's been a good few years. But also if the roles are reversed, A, it does get the Miz away from Dean Ambrose and that match is, is done to death. But also I do think that you have a great match at SummerSlam and it may rejuvenate Dean Ambrose in the process. So if that's all where we end up, I'm happy for all these blips and blops at the moment. But yeah, I thought that was a bit that was a bit strange. Um, as we said, Wyatt won. What, what does Wyatt do now is the real question. I mean, I don't know where he fits in. I mean, they have seemed to... I mean, Finn Balor versus the Drifter wasn't on Great Balls of Fire. They saved that for Raw. Finn Balor got the easy win. And obviously, when Bray Wyatt first turned up on Raw after the Superstar Shake-Up, he teased that he was going to go after Finn Balor. So maybe we go back into that. They have a match at SummerSlam. Problem there is, I don't want to see Bray Wyatt win that match because I think now's the time to slowly start lighting up Finn Balor again. So you make Wyatt lose once more, it completely negates what he's done in this Seth Rollins feud because it feels like the only reason he won the Seth Rollins feud is because it was feud thrown out the window. And then he goes into a proper feud with Bray Wyatt and that doesn't end that well either. Anyway, with Bray Wyatt? No, it's not Bray Wyatt versus Bray Wyatt <laughs> with Finn Balor. But we'll see what happens. That would be a, a marquee match. I think that's the key, is that when you go into SummerSlam, especially because this year they want to pitch it as, uh, you know, WrestleMania 2 almost. So I think that is a marquee match you could do. So maybe they go there. Uh, which led into Big Cass versus Enzo. Enzo came out, cut another good promo, well too long, but he is very good on the mic. And I thought it was important that he could remind the crowd, this is what I'm good at, this is where my skills are, so you know, please still support me, because in the match he got absolutely destroyed. And that's no real surprise. WWE were never going to let Enzo, who they have, you know, even smaller guys throw around like a ragdoll, have massive Cass. You know, Cass was never going to have any... Uh, any offense against him here. It was obviously going to be a glorified squash, which it was. I quite enjoy what Cass is doing. A lot of people seem down on him. Nobody liked his entrance music, which I actually thought was all right. I mean, maybe it could be a bit more uh, snazzy. But I didn't have a problem with it. And I think the material he's been given, he's done well with. I think he gets better week by week. Yeah, he needs a lot of work on interviews and, and in the ring as well. But he does have a unique look. He is big, which WWE does like. I'm all right with it in the moment. I'm intrigued to see where it goes. And of course, he has to develop and get better. But I'm certainly not down on Big Cass at the moment. It is now leading to a match with Big Show at SummerSlam. Because uh, Cass came out on Raw, cut a big promo like, yeah, I'm the man. And, and the amazing thing is, you know he's in for a huge push. Because much like Baron Corbin on SmackDown, who's got the money in the bank and is allowed to talk about the world title. Big Cass specifically said he's going to run through the company and become Universal Champion. And you're not given the green light to say that unless the company has a lot of faith in you. So this is not going anywhere anytime soon. But I thought he was decent on Raw. And obviously he was then interrupted by the Big Show who beat him up a bit. I'm not exactly overly excited to see the Big Show versus Big Cass, 
the battle of big dudes, just because I don't think it's going to be a good match. And that may be unfair. Maybe I'm judging it unfairly and I should give it, I should give it a bit of time or at least see it and see how the bill goes before, before I make this assumption. It's just... I mean, the, the important thing with it is that Big Cass will win. The Big Show is at the end of his career now. You can use his name and his star power to make younger stars. That's what they should do here. It certainly should be a one and done. I mean, I know you probably want to eke out for a few months just so that Big Cass isn't jumping around the place. But I would have Big Cass beat the Big Show at SummerSlam and then move on to something else. Maybe a IC title program. If The Miz doesn't have it, then she can't have heel versus heel. But I mean, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. But I, I, I think... I don't know whether it was the time to break up Enzo and Cass, just because together they do have a good knack of hiding each other's flaws. So Enzo's the talker, and, and while Cass was kind of the the better guy in the ring, it's not like he's AJ Styles or anything. But still, they've decided to do it now. I'd move Enzo into 205 Live. I know that sounds absolutely... It does sound ridiculous when you say it out loud, but... You need so much star power and, and help in that division, as we've already established. And you're not going to do anything with you on the main roster. You're just not. Or if you do, it's going to be like a Santino Morella thing where he'll have drips and drabs here and there. I don't know. That's what I would do. I think that division needs all the bodies it can get. He's a small guy, but I doubt it. I doubt it. And then we had the tag team match, which I actually thought was very good. But it's all, you know, Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Hardys for the tag titles. The problem with it, it was a 30-minute Iron Man match. And if you're having a 30-minute Iron Man match, have a guess when I'm going to buy into the match, the last 10 minutes. Because I know that in the first 20 minutes, it doesn't matter how many pinfalls there are or submissions, we're not going to get into the good stuff until we get to the, the latter part of the match. And that's the problem with Iron Man matches, because you know when it's going to finish. Other than that, you never know when a wrestling match is going to finish. But I did think it was good. I did enjoy that Matt Hardy got pinned within like 10 seconds after the bro kick straight away to let the heels go one up. It just got, got you interested. And the finish was great too, where... It was 4-3 to Cesaro and Sheamus. Jeff Hardy did have another fall, one, but then the clock ran out, so it kind of protected them. And then, again, going on to Raw, they lost to um, uh, Gallows and Anderson. And then the Revival came up and beat them up. And they were making a lot of Broken Universe references. Now, it's incredibly difficult to keep up with what's going on with that, because on one week you'll have, oh, the Hardys are really close to sorting it out. You know, they're going to have it soon. And then, you know, you watch Great Balls of Fire and Raw, and they're very much like the, the, the broken characters, or more so anyway than they have been. So you think, okay, cool, they're going with it. But then you hear, you see Matt Hardy on Twitter recently saying that he's going to release, you know, he's going to make things very nasty for Jeff Jarrett and, and GFW if they don't sort this out because they keep pulling, you know, nasty tricks. You think, well, what's that about? That doesn't sound like we're close at all. I hope they do sort it out. Like, I understand about copyright law and who owns what, but I just believe the Hardys put so much into that. I know this hasn't how the world works. This is me living on a cloud. But it's nice to live on a cloud sometimes. But I want to see that in the WWE. The Hardys were so good at it. They clearly were the brains behind it. Like There's no point pretending otherwise. And the Hardy Boys act. I don't think it's run its course yet. I still get excited to see them. But it will run its course eventually. And also, I just think it's going to be more beneficial for Matt and Jeff to do that. And once that's come to its natural conclusion, Matt can stay broken. You can unbrother Nero Jeff Hardy, and they can have awesome single runs, both of them. I think they've each got a world title run in them. Matt Hardy, especially, I think deserves it after all the work he's done over the years. Um, but they, you know, they are focusing on Matt Hardy's head injury. There were a lot of wonderfuls and delightfuls and deletes and obsoletes. I'm hoping they can come to an agreement and we can just move on from this because 
it just would be great to see it on WWE. I know a lot of people go, oh, WWE won't know what they're doing and they'll ruin it. Well, maybe they will and maybe they won't. But I tell you, it's one of those situations where I'd much rather we all gave it a go than just didn't because WWE may not know what they're doing. It's a lot more fun to have the broken characters in WWE than to not have them there. And it's as simple as that. And I still believe that Matt and Jeff are so good at those characters that even a subpar storyline or a subpar presentation or whatever is still going to be incredibly entertaining and something to look forward to each week. <coughs> no, excuse me. I need a cough button. I don't have one. But, yeah, it's, I, I, I want to see it regardless. And I bet I enjoy it. If I'm enjoying something, I don't care. They'll make sure the execution works. They're, they're not idiots. I really don't think they're idiots. But, um, yeah, good match at the pay-per-view. Didn't mind they lost. I didn't mind they lost on Raw either. I guess as long as it's going somewhere. Quite excited about the Revival versus Hardy's feud, if that's where we're going. You know, the Revival are a young, up-and-coming tag team. Obviously got all the talent and all the skill in the world. But working with people like the Hardys is only going to make them even better. So I quite like the tag team division on Raw. It does need more teams. Because essentially, we've just mentioned the four teams they do have. I mean, they've got Heath Slater and Rhino. But, I mean, didn't they break up? I can't even remember. But you've got four teams. We probably need a few more, unless I've forgotten anybody else. But if I have forgotten, that's kind of indicative of the problem anyway. But yeah, so far, so good. I, I really like the tag team stuff on Raw. I always look forward to see what they're going to do with it. Can't necessarily say I feel the same about Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss or the women's division in general. This was a really good match, and I thought it really reminded us all how good Sasha Banks is, even if she is seemingly determined to just ruin her body before she gets to 30. And Alexa Bliss, I think, has come on leaps and bounds over the last, you know, ever since her call-up. That goes to show sometimes getting called up is the best thing you can do because it means it's sink or swim time. I just hated the finish. And every time I criticise finishes like this, you get people saying, yeah, but Alexa Bliss is a heel. This is exactly what she would have done. But that doesn't work because, one, if that's the case, why doesn't she just... I mean, basically, the finish, if you didn't see it, was she just got herself counted out because she knew she could retain her title and Tasha Banks would win, but not really. So, one, if that's her plan, why doesn't she do it straight away? And, again, you can say, well, she thought she could win the match and then when she realises she can't, she bails. That's bullshit. Two, WWE probably needs to stop with the whole the title doesn't change hands if, you know, via DQ or count out. It probably needs to happen because the biggest, or at least one of the biggest problems we have in WWE these days is it doesn't feel realistic and it's hard to buy into. Now, obviously that's always going to exist to a certain degree because it's pro wrestling and it's not real, <laughs> as we know. But it's just stupid. Like, why? What commission or what organization would have that as a rule? If I was the, if I was the champ and I'm supposed to be the bad guy champ, then I'm always getting myself counted out. And I'm always going to get myself DQ'd because I hold on to my title. I just, think, I just think they're weak finishes. I don't get anything out of it. It doesn't make me root for Sasha more. It doesn't make me hate Bliss more. It just makes me go, ugh. Well, more shame on me for, for buying into that as a, as a wrestling match. What they do now at SummerSlam, I don't know either. The rumor for ages was that it was going to be Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax, which I wasn't totally against. I don't think Nia Jax is ready. However, it would have been okay. But then they had this big tag team match on Raw, which was Bailey and Sasha versus Bliss and Jax. Bailey got the pin on Bliss, so Bailey has now pinned the champion. And that was needed because the way they've treated Bailey recently has been so bad, she did need to be jazzed up a bit. But now, you, again, now you can argue that, okay, fine, so we now have to put Bailey in the title picture because she beat Bliss. But then Sasha controlled most of the match. You're like, okay, well, she needs to be in. 
But then you're also like, well, what about Nia Jax? Because, you know, that's been her thing for ages. She's going to kind of stalk Alexa Bliss almost until she gets her shot. So that could be leading to a four-way at SummerSlam, which is good because then you involve a lot of women in the match, makes the card feel a bit different, and that card's going to be packed, even though it's going to be like nine hours long. You just know they're going to pack that card with matches. So I wouldn't mind a four-way, to be honest. I think that's better than Bliss Jax. We've seen Bliss Bailey. We've now seen Bliss Sasha. So I guess the best way to, you know, make it feel a bit more entertaining and exciting is to throw all four people in there. So I would be all right with that, to be fair. I just hate the fact that their their go-to, especially with the Raw women's division, and SmackDown, actually, they did the same, is one segment for all, and we're going to throw you into a big heap. We don't do that with the guys, so I don't see why we have to do that with the girls. But anyway... I'm not even going to talk about The Miz versus Dean Ambrose because it was boring. The Miz won after the entourage or the Miz Taraj and Maurice got involved. But it was the most raw match you've ever seen. I can't believe anyone got excited about it just because we've seen it so many times. It does seem like now, which, as we talked about, we're transitioning into some kind of Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins and Miz-esque program, which is fine. Unless we're actually just doing The Miz versus Seth Rollins for the IC belt and Dean Ambrose is going to... I don't know. Maybe the Miz, uh, maybe Dean Ambrose joins The Miz Taraj. Wouldn't make any sense, but WWE doesn't make sense. But I mean, this was just there. I re- just draw a line under it sooner rather than later. There's nothing wrong with it. I just I think those characters could just both benefit from being involved with other people. And I thought the Mizzy segment on Raw was fun enough. Like he gave out fake Oscars to to Bo Dallas, Kurt Hog, uh, Curtis Axel, and and Maurice. But yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Then stuff got good. Oh, I don't say stuff got good. Stuff got super good or better. Because we had Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns in the ambulance match, and it was just absolute... I mean, I laughed. I couldn't stop laughing. Aside from Braun Strowman acting like a boss in a Rocksteady game where he runs really fast, Roman Reigns moves out the way, and then Braun hits something, which obviously takes his health down a bit. Did that in all the Batman games. It finished when Roman Reigns went to spear Braun Strowman. Braun moved and went flying into the ambulance. meant Braun could win. I mean, that was a hilarious... It was like a cartoon. It was like a Roadrunner cartoon. So that made me laugh. And then obviously Roman Reigns went crazy and tried to kill Braun Strowman by throwing him in the back of the ambulance, throwing the driver in the bin, like Callisto happened to a few months ago. And then he drove the back of the ambulance into a big semi-truck. Semi-truck, watching too much wrestling. But it was hilarious. Why is face Roman Reigns trying to kill Braun Strowman? And everyone's going, well, it's because Braun Strowman tried to kill Roman Reigns. But Braun Strowman was the heel. And maybe we don't need good guys and bad guys these days, but it was still nuts. He tried to kill someone, and his reward and he got rewarded because now he's in a number one contender match on Raw next week to see who goes against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. So it was just hilarious. I mean, it was everything I love about pro wrestling in the sense it was so over the top and silly, but entertaining. And all, But it's that thing where Braun and Roman both bought in so much, and they believe in their characters to such a degree that it was okay. You know, it wasn't like they were giving a wink and a nod to the camera. They were just like, yeah, okay, cool, we're going to buy into this. And I thought it was fabulously entertaining. It's one of my, it could be my favourite pay-per-view match of the year, other than maybe Lesnar, Goldberg at Mania and and Lesnar versus Joe on this card. But it's definitely up there. Because it was just so, so over the top and just, just dumb. And then the ending with Braun, you know, coming out of the ambulance and stumbling all over the place and blood all over him. I, in a way, I would have rather he stumbled less, you know. I think it would have been hilarious if he came out all bloodied and just screamed, uh, I'm not finished with you, <laughs> just ran off into the night. Like he's some kind of superhero. You can't, you can't phase him at all. But yeah, I love Braun Strowman by this point. 
they kept him off Raw, smart decision, sell the injury, sell the angle, make it feel like a big deal. And then when he does come back, I bet you've got a quite you know, figurative and a literal massive baby face on your hands. Because who's going to boo Braun Strowman now? He survives attempted murder. He's a bit nuts. He goes around screaming. He's wonderful. Like, he is the most cartoon character in years, but he's being booked right. He's being booked well. And like I say, on Raw, we had another... We'll, we'll get to it properly in a minute, but my guess would be that Braun is going to be on, on Raw next week to, to get involved with the SummerSlam main event. But uh, the weirdest thing is, when we were at the back and we had Kurt Angle doing some terrible acting to, to, to sell the fact that Braun had been involved in this accident, WWE decided just to put on Heath Slater versus Kurt Hawkins. Now, the reason they did it is to give that whole, oh, we didn't know this was going to happen. It's real. Wrestling's real. Blah. But... All it did was make Heath Slater and Kurt Hawkins feel like bigger jobbers than they already felt because we didn't even see the finish to the match. The cameras and the focus and the commentary were still more focused on what was going on backstage. So I, I don't think I understand what they were trying to do, but all it did was hurt Heath Slater and Kurt Hawkins, who you could do something with. You know, I don't think they're devoid of personality. I think there is something there. But, you know, the more you hammer into the ground, the harder that's going to be. So I didn't think we needed that. We could have just stayed backstage with a carnage and, you know, and sold it as this big deal for ages. I didn't think we needed this faux, oh, we have to fill time because we didn't know this was going to happen. It didn't work for me. Uh, maybe it worked for some other people. But then we had our main event, which was Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe. I mean, Samoa Joe did lose after Brock Lesnar popped up from nowhere and gave him an F5, but he didn't lose in the grand scheme of things. Because right now, Samoa Joe feels like a proper main eventer. He does feel like Brock Lesnar's equal. You believe in him. You know, it certainly seems like he could kick anybody's on the, on the roster's ass. So it's been, you know, the Joe experiment has worked wonderfully well. And it didn't hurt that at the start of the match, he just jumped Lesnar. And before the bell had even rung, he threw him through a table. You know, and Lesnar sold it like a troop. The, the word backstage was apparently that Lesnar loved this match and he loved working with Joe, which I can imagine because Joe was given it as good as he was getting. And that does certainly seem to be something Brock enjoys. But I thought the match was, it was just so much fun. Again, it was fun in a different way from Braun versus Strowman. I know a lot of people wanted it to go longer than six minutes, but I was actually all right with it. It was like a, a, a hit of adrenaline, like an injection of adrenaline right into your face. And they just beat the shit up. And it was non-stop too. Because they knew it was going short, they could keep the pace up. And I loved that. And it was just suplex versus choke. And each guy had a game plan. And they, you know, they weren't going to, to back off from that no matter what. Brock Lesnar sold the choke really well. Samojo kept getting up from the German suplexes. Like, he didn't even look like he was in pain. He was just like a bit dazed and he was shaking them off. I just thought it was wonderful. I thought the two worked incredibly well together. It makes me want to see a rematch. You know, again, even though Joe lost, it just felt like... It felt like a fight when you watch two people fight in UFC or whatever, but still ultimately believe that because it was so close, or at least because there was so much domination from both guys, I don't feel like Joe is a loser. You know, I don't feel like, oh, what a loser. I just feel like in on this occasion, uh, Brock Lesnar got the, got the advantage on him. And that happens. It's like Conor McGregor, I guess. You know, Conor McGregor lost to, to Diaz in their first fight, and he won in the second one. But it didn't make Conor feel like a loser because you saw, you know, the amount of punishment and the amount of kind of dedication and, and passion he had for the whole thing. So I really liked it. I thought this match was just... It was perfect for me. I wouldn't have changed... I wouldn't have changed a damn thing. And the fact that it bled into that angle on Raw, which was uh, Kurt Angle coming out and, and Brock Lesnar following, and you had the, a nice sort of uh, reunion between Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, which we haven't seen yet. 
And then Roman Reigns came out and, and Samoa Joe came out and basically the, uh, the big argument was who should be number one contender. Brock Lesnar took the mic and told Roman Reigns that he doesn't deserve shit. Uh, Paul Heyman was kind of hinting that he doesn't want Joe to have another match because he thinks maybe this time Lesnar won't win. He's pushing for Roman Reigns. You know, Joe was just amazing here. You know, Joe uh, just calling Brock, calling Brock's bluff and, and coming across like a super tough guy was fantastic. Heyman, again, good. I, I don't know what Roman Reigns' character is at the moment, but he feels far more believable and far more snarky and far more what I imagine Roman Reigns would be in the real world. So that works for me. At least he's believable. And everybody here came across like a massive star. Like If, if you don't watch Raw, you just watch clips, I implore you to go watch the Lesnar Joe uh, Heyman Reigns stuff from Raw. It was just great. It was just great. I mean, Roman's reasoning for, for trying to kill Braun Strowman, because that's what people did in the Attitude Era, was nonsense. <laughs> it's just, I don't think that, that tied in well at all. But still, at least they addressed it. It is hilarious that his reward is a title shot or a, a title contender shot. But, but still, it was just three guys that now do feel incredibly special. So I can't criticize that. WWE's done a great job with all of them. I'd be happy for a triple threat at SummerSlam. I'd be happy for Braun Strowman to come back next week on Raw, interfere in this match and make that turns it into a four-way. I know that's a bit weird because you have the four-way for the women's title as well in my predictions, but you can get away with that if you want to. Uh, you're going to have a long show, like I say. And I just I just loved all of it. I love the fact that the main event scene on Raw feels, feels this big and feels this special. I want to see more of it. I want to see where it goes. I'm not adverse to them taking off the title Lesnar at this stage, especially if you can take it off him without him losing, uh, which you can do in a triple threat or a four-way. Do you give it to Joe? Probably not. I think you probably coronate Reigns at SummerSlam if you are going to go go to that. Because I think, I mean, Reigns is a heel at this point anyway or whatever. So I do believe you can treat Samoa Joe as a face. I know he's not really one at the moment. But I just think he's such a badass. Like, everyone loved him on Raw. Everyone loved him at the pay-per-view. Making that transition, much like they've done with AJ Styles on SmackDown, isn't going to be that hard. And then I think you can do Roman Reigns versus, versus um, uh, Samoa Joe going forward. Especially because, as Samoa Joe said on Raw, Roman Reigns has never beaten him. And as long as he doesn't beat him next week on Raw in this number one contendership match, you could have Joe... I mean, you could have him pin Roman. Uh, sorry, the way around. Mm, who does Reigns pin? Okay, that's actually quite hard to get out of now I've said that out loud. Because if you're going into Lesnar versus Joe, uh, Ray, come on, Miller, Reigns versus Joe coming out of the back of SummerSlam, then you don't want Reigns to pin Joe for the title. I definitely don't want to see Reigns pin Strowman for the title. Although maybe that's why he won the ambulance match. Oh, gosh, that could be why. That I hate that because I think you've got a massive baby face on your hands with Strowman. But you could have Reigns pin Strowman and then they've got the 50-50 booking. But you certainly don't want to see Reigns pin Joe because you can't have a feud coming out the back of Reigns pin Joe when I mean, you can because it's WWE. But I would be like, but no, that's not how this works. Roman Reigns pinned him. Why does he get the first shot? Surely Strowman should get it or Lesnar should get his rematch. Either way, this is why I liked it. Pay-per-view was really, really fun. And then coming out the back, they, 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 you know, they, they used all of it to, to benefit Raw. And you could argue that this should have been the time to turn Roman Reigns heel, considering he tried to, to murder someone. But that was never going to happen. They're not going to turn Roman Reigns heel. I don't know what their plan is with him. And I don't know what they think the audience actually thinks of him at this stage. But it's too far gone now. It's been four years or some nonsense like that. I don't think we're, we're, we're ever going to get that. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. But, but I can't see it happening. So, yeah, I thought Raw was decent. I thought Great Balls of Fire was decent. There was a lot of weird stuff on Raw. 
uh, the Goldust, our true stuff, was very disappointing. We've built that up for weeks, and then Goldust cut another decent promo, and yet we just threw all that away, and we had a match, and Goldust won in five minutes. It was the most basic Raw match you've ever seen. I imagine this still continues, but why, I don't know. So I think that's a shame. I think you could have, you've highlighted that so well for the last few weeks, I don't see why you had to throw that down the drain. So that sucked. I wasn't a fan of the 205 Live tag match just because it felt such like filler. It came before the Rollins-Wyatt uh, main event, and it was, um, I can't even remember now, it was Neville and Noam Dar versus Cedric Alexander and Tazawa. And it just, and Titus and Alicia Fox were involved too, but it just felt like we need something here. Put on the cruiserweights, change everything up, make sure everybody knows they're not part of the main show. So that was disappointing. You know, I, I just, again, we've gone through this, but... There was a time where I felt... I mean, the Aries-Neville stuff was a, was a shot in the arm, but now it feels like it's going the other way, which sucks. you just got to let them be cruiserweights. You've got to let them jump around like cruiserweights. I don't care if it affects other people on the roster. There is no point. Just do what you did for the Cruiserweight Classic. That worked. So why on earth do you have something that works that you're not replicating? And yeah, you can say this is Vince McMahon's vision and he never saw the Cruiserweight Classic, which is probably true, but you can still talk to him and you can still say, look at the numbers, Vince. Look at the numbers. Like, Cruiserweight Classic did well. 205 Live doesn't even break into the top 10 of most watched things on the network. That's all you need to know. And we'll see what happens. We're also, and I'm so scared about this, the other big storyline on Raw, and I would like to give a shout out to WWE because I love the fact we've gone back to long, drawn-out storylines and you telling me, by the way, we're going to resolve this next week. It's like a sitcom. Or a drama series. We never do that anymore. So I do appreciate that. And the latest one is the whole Kurt Angle, Corey Graves text message situation. Same kind of deal on Raw. Kurt got text message. Corey saw it as well. And they were like, this is going to ruin me, my family, like ruin my career, ruin my family. Hopefully they'll forgive me. And then he says he's going to announce it next week on Raw before somebody else announces it for him. And the show ended with Kurt telling someone that there's nothing to be ashamed of and that he loves them. Now, this could go in many different directions. I don't know anything. I haven't even seen that many rumors for it. But there was a Kurt Angle documentary following Raw about his, uh, his comeback. And Dixie Carter, president of TNA, or former president of TNA, was on that show. And next week, Raw is in Nashville. Now, I may be reading into things. I may be a smarky asshole. Fine, that, that's good. I'm just scared. I'm just scared that WWE thought to themselves, well, we had Dixie Carter on... Um, on the Kurt Angle documentary. We're in Nashville, so we haven't got a flyer in. That's where Dixie Carter lives, or at least is based, or has been based. Maybe we can put Dixie Carter on TV for a while. Because it would get people talking, and they love it when people get talking. I'm talking about it now, simply from a fear point of view, so imagine what I'm going to do if it actually happens. But this cannot happen. This storyline cannot result in Dixie Carter being on WWE TV. She wasn't that good on TNA. Furthermore, I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see Dixie Carter on WWE TV. It would ruin this story. I don't want to see Kurt Angle and, and Dixie Carter team up to do anything. So I'm hoping I'm just being an idiot. And I'm happy to be an idiot. And I am, I am an idiot, so I'm happy, I'm happy to be an idiot. But I'm scared. There is also a rumor that people think it's going to be he's having an affair with Stephanie McMahon, which then leads to the long rumored Triple H versus uh, a Kurt Angle match at SummerSlam or WrestleMania. I don't think it's going to be that. I could be wrong, but I don't think I want to see that. I don't want an affair storyline with Stephanie McMahon, which leads to a few. I mean, that's just. I mean, that makes Kurt Angle the heel, doesn't it, as well? And that's not going to happen. And I know it ties into the storyline from 15 years ago or whenever it was, which was never resolved. Because Triple H one day decided, nah, this is not happening. It's my wife. So why he would change his mind now as well, I don't know. It just doesn't excite me. 
either Dixie Carr or the Stephanie. I mean, I do think it probably ties into Triple H and Stephanie McMahon in some sense. But both those fallouts from that angle don't they don't do anything for me. They don't I, I don't think that would be a good resolution. But then saying that I don't know what would be. So that kind of negates my opinion anyway. Because <laughs> if I haven't got a better suggestion, then how can I tell them what they're doing is wrong? But I am excited to see what, what's going to happen. I will, you know, be the most anticipated thing on my list, as well as the number one contender match. Raw should be really good next week. We've got a number one contender match between two awesome dudes to find out who's going to be number one contender. Braun Strowman should return. And we've got the, the, the you know, we're finding out the whole Kurt Angle story. This is great. Multiple things going on, multiple storylines, intrigues there. I, I think Raw, SmackDown maybe not as much, which is weird because it was the other way around a few weeks ago. But I think Raw is really, is really well booked at the moment. And there are some bad points, of course, as, as we've gone over. But the main things are really, really ticking the boxes. And I like it. I can see why the ratings are doing better. It does feel like, you know, a better show. I can't say the same for SmackDown this week, which to me felt very filler. Maybe because I think the go-home show is next week. Maybe it's two weeks for, for Battleground or whatever the hell it's called. Payback, not payback. I mean, I like the fact that AJ Styles is US champion now. He won it at a house show in Madison Square Garden, which, again, I was a big fan of because, I mean, this has been everywhere if you listen to any kind of wrestling podcast. It gives you a, a more of an impetus to go to house shows because you're like, oh, maybe anything could happen. And maybe this one was negated a bit because it's in Madison Square Garden, which is a big arena. But still, you, you still have that in your mind that you could see a title change hands. And they can't do that all the time because, again, diminishing returns. However, I thought it was really exciting. It got the internet talking. It was a great match, all things considered. Plus, it was supposed to be a Raw House show and you had SmackDown guys on it. So I was all right with it. I, I didn't have a problem with it and I thought it was exciting. I also liked what they did on SmackDown. AJ started his own open challenge, which clearly prompted Cena to come out because that was his thing. And they got into a big, you know, AJ say he wants his revenge. And there was respect there because AJ Styles is a face now and that's just what we do. And then before they could have their match, and WWE did build it up well because we got right down to the, the introductions. Ruth Seven Owens came out to beat up AJ and Cena as they would. That led to a tag match later in the night. It's kind of sucked because Cena just AA'd Owens and beat him clean. So Owens now is having a bit of a bit of a rough ride, which sucks because he's one of the best people, if not the best person in the company. But that was fine. Uh, I did I did enjoy all that. It does make me laugh that Rusev and Owens' gimmick is pretty much exactly the same. And then you have Jinder coming out with a, a gimmick that's pretty much exactly the same. That is really weird. Why WWE is doing that, I have absolutely no idea. It's very strange. But hell, they are. And everyone's so talented that they, they can pull it off. So it does look like the AJ uh, Owens program will continue. There was rumors that that match had been taken off the next pay-per-view. Don't think that's true. Could be wrong. And obviously, we're building to the Rusev-Cena flag match, which is just going to be hilarious, really. I was over the moon to see Rusev come back next week. I thought everything he said was great. The fact he came out with this flag was a bit tenuous, but, you know, it's wrestling. He's just the best person. I, I love Rusev. I think he's got all the potential to be either your top heel or your top face. I think he's incredibly likable if he wanted to be, just because his promos are, are so good and so well delivered. But all this was great. You know, I, I enjoyed it. It just felt, not to say empty, but a bit lackluster, all things considered. But I enjoyed it. Uh, plus, it got we got announced that we've got women's number one contender match next week. Everybody's in it, including Lana, which is dumb because she's now lost three times to Naomi, but apparently she's still allowed to be in a number one contender match. I don't know who comes out that one. I mean, I'm such a big fan of Charlotte. I'd like to see Charlotte and Naomi at SummerSlam because I think that feels the, the most special. 
But then it is technically face versus face, although I'd, I'd turn Charlotte back heel. But as we've got this James Ellsworth storyline going on, where he's banned from the building, and I don't think... I mean, no, the, the, the big thing tonight uh, at SmackDown was that Carmella had a, um, a, a letter from a lawyer saying that James Ellsworth should be allowed back in the building, and Daniel Bryan just ripped it up, which is quite funny. I have a feeling that James Ellsworth gets involved next week. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. That's my gut. But I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, Jinder came out, cut another promo, another Jinder promo. I was a fan of Jinder. I mean, I did think the build could be better, but I was happy for the opportunity he was given. But every week he comes out, he cuts the same promo. Randy Orton wasn't there this week because he's filming a movie. Jinder said apparently he's going to bring the Punjabi prison match to SmackDown next week, which makes no sense because surely we should wait for the pay-per-view to make it feel more special. But apparently he just has it in his car and he's going to drive his car to the arena and do it that way. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a main event program. I mean, this has to be the end of it either way. I don't think Randy Orton's going to win. So where Jinder Mahal goes after this, I don't know. I would imagine that John Cena beats Owens in the flag, uh, beats Rusev in the flag match, and then we go to Cena versus Jinder. I don't really want to see that either, to be honest. I just don't think the Jinder thing is, is, is as exciting as it should be at the moment. And that's not necessarily on him. It could be the material he's being given or one of many things. I don't know. But right now... I don't think it feels like a main event program. Nakamura and Corbin continued. They were meant to have a match, but Nakamura just kicked the shit out of him beforehand, so that got cancelled. Although by the end of that brawl, Corbin was getting the better of it. So they're still going to go at it at Battleground. I mean, it's a weird... I mean, Corbin can lose, because WWE's... Uh, uh, you know, if you've got the money in the bank, their whole uh, opinion on it is, well, we can lose, because the money in the bank keeps him strong. And that's good, because Nakamura cannot be losing to Baron Corbin. Nakamura shouldn't lose on the main roster for ages, and they should build up, you know, they should build up that huge. It's not necessarily a program I'm enjoying. I like Baron Corbin, and obviously I like Nakamura, but I think they're both suffering from their characters being held back a bit, or at least being WWE'd. You know, it doesn't feel like anything special. And Nakamura at this point already feels like just another guy. There's still time though. Like I just, I just hope they 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 amend this sooner rather than later because Shinsuke Nakamura should be turning business around. He's that good. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I just don't want to see Nakamura versus Corbin. I mean, it's good for Corbin. He'll benefit greatly from being in that match. So I think that's good because you know they are going to run with him. There's no point moaning about it or complaining. They are going to run with Baron Corbin, and he's got an interesting look, and he's tall, and I think when he's allowed to talk properly, he actually cuts a good promo. But Oh, my phone's making noise. That's weird. Shut up, phone. But, um, you know, exactly. they're going to run with him. So let's put him with guys who are exceptionally good in the ring, e.g. Shinsuke Nakamura. And then hopefully he'll benefit from that and he'll become a better performer to the point we believe him in the position that WWE, you know, wants to put him in. So there's nothing, I've got no problem with that. Again, it's just a nothing pay-per-view anyway. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. And we they, they kind of, they built into the, the New Day versus the Usos stuff. Didn't mention any of the rap battle stuff from last week, which was a shame because I thought that was great, especially the Usos. You can go back to this podcast months ago, even before I vanished for a while, and I was saying that the Usos are amazing and they deserve more time. And I think I'm now justified in saying that because of what they did on SmackDown last week. But they just ignored all that this week. Oh, that was fun for the time. We had Xavier Woods versus Joe Uso. Xavier Woods won. Just a way to get through another week. They're going to have the, the tag team title match at the pay-per-view. New Day definitely shouldn't win. We should keep building and pushing the Usos and make them a genuine threat. You can have the New Day win it at SummerSlam or whatever. Feud's fine. Uh, the problem with SmackDown is they don't have any tag teams. No idea what's going on with American Alpha. We had Chad Gable making weird noises about Sami Zayn on SmackDown. 
And then we had Sami Zayn continuing his weird feud with the Canelises. Canelises feel a bit underused, utilized at this point. Like they came back and just vanished. So that was strange. But it was fine. It was a decent enough show. It was just one of those ones that felt like well, we need to get through to next week. And then next week we can pull the triggers on everything because that's when we're building into the pay-per-view. And as last week showed, having John Cena on the show does help ratings massively. He pushed the July 4th rating up huge. I'm sure he'll do the same again here because it's only his second week back. So, it's, it's, I mean, I thought it was a good week for wrestling all around. I didn't watch uh, Impact this week, so I'm not going to talk about that. Kind of touched upon the, the New Japan Long Beach shows. I thought Cody Rhodes did wonderfully well. I know a lot of people didn't want to see him in that Okada main event. I thought it was great. I love the story they're telling between the Bullet Club and Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega once again proved over both nights that he's not a flash in the pan or he doesn't just need Okada to have great matches. The man is absolute gold, and amazingly, I hope he stays in New Japan for a while. He can come to WWE in a few years, but at the moment, I just think he, he fits there, and there's so many different potential matches I want to see. I'm happy to, you know, wait and see them. There's no rush. There's no rush with this stuff. I don't need to see him come to the WWE and just sit around for a while. So, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed both shows. The Billy Gunn stuff made me laugh because everybody hated him. I wasn't massively fussed. He's a recognizable US name. If you want to put him on your show, it's like 10 minutes. No problem with that. And just the rest of the talent I had from Marty Skull to Will Ospreay to the Ricochet was there. I mean, Tanahashi, Ishii, so many good names. So many good names. And as I've openly admitted, I was always a casual New Japan fan before where I wanted to know who the wrestlers were and I'd read results. But now I really enjoy watching it. I'm still learning it. I'm not pretending I'm, I'm the be-all and end-all or the authority or any of this. But I am, I am a fan. I think New Japan is a lot of fun, and I really do hope they continue this American expansion and, and can make their mark. I don't think they'll ever challenge WWE properly, or if they do, they won't put them out of business or anything like that just because they're on their turf. But even if they just make a little dent or, or make them turn their heads so they need to be a bit more creative, that's fine by me. And uh, this is the first G1 I'm going to watch as well, so hopefully I can actually learn, learn who everybody is properly and uh, learn more about their backstory. I know there's a lot of uh, controversy about JR and uh, Josh Barnett as well in that regard with their commentary. I'm not going to get into that. The way I see it is it was fine. It didn't bother me. Jim Ross has been through a lot recently. I'm not going to criticize a man that has just lost his, you know, lost his wife. And, and then I thought he was fine. I got no problem with it whatsoever. Um, before we do wrap up, just a couple of other things to touch upon. I don't want to talk about this too much, but I feel like it would be a miss not to, considering we're a wrestling podcast. I'm sure if you're any kind of fan of wrestling dirt sheets or news, you've seen everything going on with Paige and Alberto Del Rio. Obviously, we don't know all the facts. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that potentially, maybe, apparently, you know, Paige's um, brothers and uh, or families come out and said that there has been some form of domestic abuse there. We don't know the facts, so I can only speculate and I can only talk to it to a certain degree, but it certainly doesn't seem good, is all I'm going to say. And much like when we were all concerned about Mauro Ronaldo being bullied, we certainly should be concerned about a WWE superstar, as Vince McMahon would say, potentially being domestically abused. That is not cool. There's no excuse for it. It shouldn't happen. And, you know, if, if the community had any kind of influence on the Mauro Ronaldo thing which maybe we did maybe we didn't there's no way to know then hopefully we can use that same kind of uh, power that we have for good because a lot of the time we just bitch and moan that's all I'm going to say about it in better news apparently Shelton Benjamin is now coming back to the WWE there was a tweet on WWE's account yesterday with the Shelton Benjamin playlist and in the blurb it said oh Shelton Benjamin's coming back to Smackdown Live which I hope he does 
Great talent. Was never the most sort of... He wasn't the best talker or anything. So what? I mean, he may, I'm sure he's better now. I know he did some stuff in Japan for the last few years. But he's great in the ring. He'll have great matches. The, you know, both rosters still need bodies. That's why it would be great if people like Kenny Omega and Matt Riddle do eventually make their way there because they need more depth. And Shelton Benjamin is also a, a face and a character that people recognize. And he's still good. Let him have one last run there. So I'd love to see... I'd love to see Shelton Benjamin... Benjamin come back to the WWE. And that's that. That is the week in wrestling, as they say. A few things I do want to mention before we wrap up, and that is that the whole patron experiment is well underway now. Uh, that's basically you know, my, one of my main sources of income. So if you do enjoy the podcast, or you want to be on the podcast, or you want more podcasts, or you want more content or certain rewards, please do go to patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316 and check out all that stuff there. As I said before, even if one, even if everybody that listens to this donated to $1, donated $1, it would help me no end and I can keep doing this you know, for, for as long as I possibly can, which is what I would like to do. I would certainly like to do it. On top of that, if you don't want to, you know, put your hand in your wallet, which is cool, completely understand that, please do go to youtube.com forward slash C, forward slash the Miller Report rules and sub and, you know, get into all the videos I'm doing there. The pro wrestling podcast will go up every Sunday, which I know is a long time after the podcast goes up and a lot of the information will be out of date. I get that. But it's just, if I put it up, day and date, I'm going to be spamming my YouTube channel. Maybe I'll put it up Saturday instead. My point being is if you do like listening to your... And I know a lot of people don't listen to the podcast of the weekend as well anyway. So if you do want to listen on YouTube or you enjoy, you know, you don't want to subscribe or anything like that or download, you can just do it there. But if you are in the, in the other category, please do subscribe via iTunes or whichever app you listen to. Please do go to iTunes and leave us five stars. Uh, give us a review. You have to go through iTunes, search for the podcast to do that. And please do tell a friend about Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. I really would like this to get a big deal. Uh, we didn't do as well in the charts last week, and I was devastated. And the only way we can do more of that is reviews, five stars, subscribing, and downloading. It's all about interaction and engagement. That's how iTunes works. So let's see if we can get into the top 10. Never happen. It's just not possible. If you go through that sports and recreation chart, there are some big, big dudes in there. But that's, you know, I love doing it, which is the main thing. And I really do appreciate all the support. I'm on Twitter at SimonMiller316. Uh, if you are interested, I've got some really exciting wrestling uh, training news that I'm going to talk about on my Patreon soon, in the next seven days, to say the least. There is new stuff afoot, and I have information about what I'm going to be doing with that. So I'm very excited to talk about that. So again, that'll be for $5 plus patrons. We'll have a big chat about that. I think that's everything. If you'd like a Miller Flex tee, please go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Simon Miller forward slash shop. It's a mouthful of a URL, but it's in the description as well. And there you can buy a stupid Simon Miller tee. That would be awesome. Otherwise, just keep rocking. Just keep being you. Make sure you also go to facebook.com and search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast and make sure you get involved in the Predictions League. It's now adjudicated and sorted out by my man Mitch. He's taking care of all of that. He's got a certain way he's doing it in terms of seasons. I think you've got three pay-per-views to go before the current season ends. We will make sure there's prizes and whatnot for the winner. I'm involved, not doing very well at the moment. All you've got to do is find the, the pin post on the Facebook group and, and send Mitch a message or leave a comment below to get involved. It's really fun, to be fair. So make sure you do that too. I'm sure I've forgotten to pimp something. I'm sure I've over-pimped as well. I do that too. But thank you very much for being listeners to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. If you have any questions or anything like that, you can get me at Simon Miller 316 Just ask them, and I'll start putting them in a big document, which I can then, uh, then ask at the end of these podcasts. Or drop them in the Facebook group too. 
On top of that, make sure you're listening to The Week in Gaming, another podcast I do. It didn't go up so far this week if you've listened to it, just because of life. It will be going up this week. And I'm just going to stop pimping now, because we spent about five minutes just talking about my wares. But at least I left it till the end of the show like a nice guy. Keep kicking ass. Keep doing what you do. Enjoy whatever wrestling activity you've gone on for the next uh, the next few days. We're going to be back on Wednesday. Yeah.